Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. September 1983, Gary Newman released what would turn out to be his final album for Baker's Banquet, and thus, one could argue, this was the final part of his first chart success era that began four years earlier in 1979. Warriors was Gary's fifth album in four years, and with it came another new image and a continuation of the experimental fusion of various music styles that began with Dance and I Assassin. Its title track and lead single, Warriors, was arguably his most radio-friendly song for a while and probably the best love song from the album. Only Sister Surprise was the other single from it. started recording the Warriors album in May 1983. He had written most of it the previous year while he was living in Jersey in the Channel Islands, after also spending a few months in Los Angeles. While Gary was working on Warriors, Beggar's Banquet suggested that, for the first time, he should use a co-producer instead of producing the album entirely by himself. This had also been suggested by the label for his previous album, I Assassin, though apparently he refused it at the time. While not keen at first, WEA Managing Director Mike Heap promised him, quote, a virtually unlimited promotional budget on the album if he signed up a producer. So Gary decided to bring in guitarist Bill Nelson for the job as producer, as he was an admirer of Nelson's band, Bebop Deluxe. Gary said that Nelson was his favourite guitar player, bar none. However, Mike Heap was fired and the record company no longer wanted to cover all the costs for Gary's album. Gary later said, When the new people came in, I was as far from a priority act as it was possible to be. I felt as though they cut me down at the knees and it was the last time I got excited about a promise in the music business. Gary has also said that looking back, Warriors was the turning point for his career downslide that continued until the early 1990s. He said in his autobiography, Praying to the Aliens, I thought that by getting in some of the best players and singers around, I could make the album more musical and that my own limitations would be less of a problem. What I actually did was progressively bury the very style that my fans had enjoyed. For a while, I still sang, of course, but I swamped out my own performances in huge layers of backing vocals. 
Musically, I became much more of an arranger of noises than a musician. At least, that was how I felt. I didn't realise what I was doing, but with Warriors, I was lighting the fires of what came close to being my funeral. If burying myself under the impressive performances of other musicians and singers was, ultimately, the wrong decision in which to be moving, it did give the album some stunning musical moments. Warriors had as fine a bunch of players as it was possible to get. I found myself that when listening back to Warriors as a whole album from start to finish that it is indeed a really great album but there aren't many memorable moments if you know what I mean Uh, the title song isn't the obvious single but after that it sounds like a cracking soundtrack to an 80s sci-fi film uh, something we'll get onto in a minute uh, rather than say a studio album that could rival the Pleasure Principle or Telecom Uh, the sax solos combining with electric guitar slap bass and synths on songs like uh, The Iceman Comes is gorgeous but you can hardly hear Gary at all sometimes. Um, the introduction of female backing singers works in context, uh, but it doesn't feel very Gary Newman, but I, I still like it for what it is. And for 1983, considering what else was going on at the time, both musically and culturally, I think it works. But I can also understand Gary when he says it was the start of his commercial fall, at least. Having said that, if David Bowie recorded the exact same album at the time, I'm sure people would be probably considering it an 80s classic. It was easy to knock Gary trying something new at the time. Gary brought back drummer Cedric Sharpley, uh, keyboardist Chris Payne and guitarist Russell Bell, all had played on his albums and tours since 1979. Pino Palladino, the bassist on Newman's previous album, My Assassin, couldn't return for Warriors. At Palladino's suggestion, uh, Gary recruited Joe Hubbard as his replacement. Uh, Bill Nelson played guitars during the recording of Warriors, giving them more prominence than they had been allowed on I Assassin. Gary also asked Dick Morrissey to be the saxophone player on the album as he admired his work on the Blade Runner film score, hence the soundtrack sounding elements of the album. Uh, Blade Runner, as I'm sure you know, had struck a huge chord for Gary and not for the last time on an album. Uh, Gary later described Morrissey as brilliant, a musical genius, first take, perfect, not a single note wrong. Morrissey would continue to appear on five Newman albums from 1983 to 1991. Gary said back in 1999, The saxophone gave me a new lease of life. Warriors is full of avant-garde jazz solos, and I think it shows there's no need to have a resistance to mixing conventional instruments and technology. Morrissey himself said, Gary wasn't quite my first experience in electronic music because I'd worked with Vangelis. I didn't really change my style of playing when I was with Gary, I just enjoyed myself playing along naturally. I loved working with a fairly unconventional musician like Gary because I'm also self-taught. Female backing vocals were also introduced, as we mentioned earlier, provided by Tracy Ackerman. And engineer Nick Smith said in 1999, uh, with the female singers, I think he was just trying to develop a new element. Tracy Ackerman from Shack Attack was the first. She came in. Gary loved her voice and wanted to use it. I don't know why Gary wanted girl singers. He never said. It's like the synthesizers, the saxophone and the fretless bass. He discovers something and he goes for it. When making the album, Gary and Bill Nelson butted heads during the Warriors recording sessions and both men had different ideas as to how the album should sound overall, uh, also having different philosophies in music in general. Gary later recalled, It seemed as though our reasons for even breathing were completely opposed to one another. At one point we were talking about why we were in the business. He told me that all creative people pick up beams of inspiration from across the cosmos and and we channel it into creative art and we do what we do for the people. 
I said, that's complete bollocks, and it all went downhill from then on, really, as we began to grate on each other quite badly. The relationship between Newman and Nelson dropped to the point that Newman would apparently go out and play pool while Nelson worked in the studio. Newman ultimately disliked Nelson's mix of Warriors, as he found it too tinny, uh, and so he remixed the album and made changes to the track listing. Sister Surprise and The TikTok Man were almost completely re-recorded. Uh, Nelson, in the end, asked not to be credited on the final album, although he is credited on the label. Uh, Newman later conceded that Nelson did a lot of very inventive things on Warriors, which, because of our differences, I failed to fully appreciate at the time. To be with him in a room when he was playing guitar was an honour. I would just sit back and listen, and all my antagonism would float away. Nick Smith said later, uh, Bill took Gary in a direction that Gary did not want to go in. It was more poppy, more upbeat, not so dark or hardcore. And I have to tell you something, I thought that album was fantastic and that Bill did a brilliant job on it. Gary will totally contradict me on this because he hated it. Uh, when we finished the album, mixed it, copied it, Bill took away a cassette and he went out the door. I walked back into the control room and Gary said, right, wipe everything. And we started again. It took forever, week after week. Gary suggested various prospective titles for the new album and his, with his fan base at the time. Uh, fans were given the opportunity to vote for one of three potential album titles, which is quite a novel idea in a pre-internet world. Uh, there was This Prison Moon, Poetry in Power and Glass House, uh, but Neiman ultimately ignored the fans' preference of, of This Prison Moon and chose Warriors instead. Uh, for the album's overall image, Gary chose a blonde haircut, black leather costume with weapon accessories set against a post-apocalyptic backdrop, uh, which had been heavily influenced by the film Mad Max 2 after he watched it in uh, 1981. Uh, many parts of the actual costume apparently came from a sex shop in Soho. This is what it has come to. Here is where it shall be decided. Here it is. Greetings from the Humongous. In a world without gas. The Humongous rules the wasteland. I'm gravely disappointed that you wish to take the gasoline out of the wasteland. Defend the fuel. We'll never walk away! Give me the pump, the gasoline. The whole compound. This is a land that prays for a hero. Well, if anyone's gonna get in there, it's gonna be you. This is Mad Max 2. Uh, Gary later said, I think the Mad Max image convinced a lot of people, the press especially, that it was a sci-fi album including me, to be honest. Uh, much of it, though, was actually quite autobiographical. Even songs like The Iceman Comes and This Prison Moon were more to do with what I was going through than anything sci-fi. Lyrically, I was already becoming overly focused on the career struggle. Warriors was written in the main in a hotel room in Jersey. My girlfriend had just left me, I'd been evicted from the house I was living in, and I felt pretty much alone in more ways than one. Uh, despite its surface gloss of futurism, it was really very inward-looking. To me, the image was meant to represent someone fighting for survival as much as anything else. And looking at the song Warriors on its own then, uh, it's a very dark yet jazzy new wave track where Gary, Gary laments about his various struggles. It implies that he's lonely, lost, and doesn't know where to go in life. And the, uh, as he says, the Warriors title could allude to having to fight to stay sane. Um, have you got any other hobbies besides flying? Yeah, this. Yeah, sort, of, sort of a hobby that I ended up sort of turning into a job, really. Sometimes I regret that. Sometimes it, it was nice when it was a hobby because there was less strain 
and it was just more just fun. You did it when you wanted to, how you wanted to, you know. Mm. Um, I, I don't think I'd change it really, but I had a choice. I, I like this. I like doing this. He said of the song, Warriors was about how I felt as a pop star, more or less. I felt I was uh, losing it and slipping down the ladder of success. The line, the ghost of the white-faced clown, was a direct reference back to the old images that I'd had before and wanted to establish that it was all done and gone. I was over my Star Wars Buck Rogers type period. He added, it's one idea of what life could be like after the war. Warriors is just about people fighting to stay alive. It would be interesting to see what I'd be like in that situation. I'd had the Mad Max look in mind during the making of the album. I was just interested in the idea of people fighting for survival after the bomber dropped. Not that it had anything to do with the album, though. The sound of the track is uh, somewhat more radio-friendly than his uh, recent singles before that, and perhaps deserved more love from radio stations at the time. Um, you could say, as you would say a lot about Gary, is that he was ahead of his time, um, as there's certainly a certain quality to it that reminds me of what was to come, at the post-punk style of Echo and the Bunnymen, for instance. And uh, one of the single options was a stunning seven-inch picture disc shaped like a plane, which has got to be one of the coolest collector's items around. If any of you has got it, please send a photo, because I'd love to see it. However, Gary was still the victim of a silly chart rule, which dented the single's uh, chances of success. Uh, it was released as the first single from, from the album in 1983 in August, reaching number 20 in the UK charts. And Gary later claimed that the single's chart performance was killed uh, because it was released as a picture disc. And the week it was released, the chart compilers randomly and suddenly decided that picture discs were ineligible and didn't count towards their sales. The single had actually peaked at number 12 before the picture disc sales were stripped, which was a shame. His music video saw him performing the song to camera while also flying an aircraft, something he was going to become known for at the time. In it, he, he's in a hired T-33 shooting star Korean War jet fighter. He's actually in the back while a pilot flew it, a man named Dizzy Adekot, a World War II fighter pilot, and he actually later took Gary under his wing. Um, it might not have much of a connection to what the uh, film was about, the song, um, but what other pop stars were actually flying planes and their actual music videos. He was very much the Tom Cruise of his day. Uh, the song's B-sides were Warrior's album leftovers, My Car Slides 1 and My Car Slides 2, both decent and atmospheric tracks in their own right, and they were later added to deluxe versions of the album.
So just looking at your comments about the song in general, uh, Terry King said, I remember seeing the Warriors video and wishing Gary would separate out his career as a pilot with his pop career. Although both are amazing, I don't think they complemented each other. I, I can understand what Terry means there in this instance. Uh, I thought the Warriors image was cool and the single was great. I bought the 12-inch. I really like the Warriors album and as is so often with Gary, I preferred many of the other tracks of the album compared with the title track. Uh, Steve Can said, I loved it as soon as I heard it. Went and got the plain-shaped picture disc. Very jealous. Steve, uh, from a chart return shop, couldn't stop playing it. Kenny Gibb said, brilliant song. I was in a gym and it came on the radio pre-release. Hair stood up on my neck. I think we already knew of his intention to tour again. And because I hadn't seen him live before, the excitement was almost uncontainable. James Brinson said, I bought the single in 1983 when I was visiting my nan back then in Belfast. I remember buying it in a shop called Caroline Records. I was in such a rush to get back and play it and I was not disappointed. Love the song even today. Uh, Alison Babylon said I thought it sounded like the badass theme song to the coolest movie I'd never seen and I completely understand what you mean Alison and uh, Joel Catherine said uh, I was just getting into Newman almost 20 years after it came out uh, Beggars had issued all the albums up to Warriors on CD within the last few years and Warriors was the last one I bought the title track immediately became one of my favourites instant top 10 was having complex feelings around an early relationship at the time too and Warriors felt like this I can stand alone anthem which was definitely helped by imagery on the album cover. I played it a lot. Uh, several songs I played during that time still evoke strong memories and emotions to this day. Just a brilliant song and the rest of the album was decent to great too. I also wanted to give a shout out to a brilliant cover version I found a few years ago from Matt Jessup, someone I'm sure a lot of new Matt Newman fans will know. It's just a really great mashup cover with tracks, and I think it's excellent. Also, a bit of Gary Newman news. There's going to be a one-off Sky Arts documentary about Gary very soon. Uh, when I was actually at Wembley, I had an angle at the side of the stage so I could see Gary behind it preparing to come on, which was really cool, and his family were nearby as well. And you could see cameras with him, um, plus 
you may have seen signs hanging up saying Sky Arts was filming, so expect to see plenty of Wembley footage in the show. Uh, the Sky Arts synopsis reads, The Newman Method accompanies Gary on his road back to Wembley with unprecedented access to Gary, his family and friends. It tells a moving story of a young man struggling to cope with the pressure cooker of fame and unable to believe in his own immense talent. The documentary will feature the likes of Dave Grohl, Trent Reznor, Hans Zimmer and Gazelle Twin and will air on Sky Arts and now this summer. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, a happy 30th anniversary to Gary and Gemma as well, who celebrated the relationship milestone earlier this month. They marked it with a lovely few photos on social media. So that's it. Thanks very much for joining me. I'll be back next time with another Newman track to delve into. If you want to get in touch, then please email me, newmanpodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Newman Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and at newmanpodcast.com. See you next time. Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast, celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. pioneer.